0: we changed our brand name to my franchise. So not franchise, franchise and you know, the is that you would build your own franchise with the socks. Um, I still really like the name, but it wasn't working. People were going to the wrong website. People thought that, you know, they would just call it my franchise.
1: Blake Ross, founder of Firefox. Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook steve jobs creator of apple three young and successful entrepreneurs people tend to see teens as angsty rude and irritable when in reality teens can be some of the most successful and creative people welcome to now i'm here podcast this podcast aims to teach the younger generations that no matter your age the possibility of success is within arm's reach all you need is a little perseverance and a strategic mindset like walt disney said All our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Dare to dream. Now to our host, Sydney Jacobs. Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Now I'm Here podcast. I'm your host, Sydney Jacobs. Today I have Thomas McColl, the co-founder of Major League Socks. I'm sure you've seen their Major League Socks before out there. They are socks with hockey players and now baseball players' faces on them. It all started when Mike Babcock became the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Thomas and I first met a few years ago when I was in grade 8. Thomas, take it away.
0: How's it going, guys? Well, it's a pleasure to be featured on the very first the inaugural episode. Um, As you said, Sydney, my name is Thomas McCall. And uh, about five years ago, um, in a men's league hockey dressing room when Mike Babcock was hired, my now business partner made a silly joke. About putting his face on a pair of socks, calling them Bab Socks, and we have been on quite the journey since then. Um, so we've since rebranded to Major League Socks when we started to understand um, the world of licensing. Um, so with the licensing um, contracts that we have right now, we work with the NHL Alumni, the NHLPA, uh, Major League Baseball Players Association. And uh, we got a couple more coming up soon, which I'm not quite yet allowed to announce, but uh, it's something that's really special for me. So um, I'm super excited to jump on here. Good for you for getting this going and uh, happy to be your first guest.
1: Thank you. So you're a big hockey player and it all started in a beer league dressing room. Would you consider yourself a beer league butte or a bender?
0: (laughs) Uh, I would like to consider myself a beer league, butte. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'd say, uh, I mean, I didn't, uh, didn't sign any pro deals in my life, but I'm uh, certainly invaluable to my men's league hockey team. I'd like to consider myself a puck moving defenseman. Um, for all your listeners out there that are from Toronto, I would consider myself the the Morgan Riley type.
1: Of course. <laughs> um, and if we're looking at your education. You studied at George Brown and the University of Maine. Do you want to kind of talk about your experience uh, at Canadian college and American university, and the differences, and what you really got out of the programs?
0: Yeah. So I um I went down to the University of Maine. I was uh actually uh, on a soccer scholarship. So I do enjoy my puck, but I think uh, I was more gifted on the field than the rink. Um. Maine, Maine was a, was a great experience. I mean, it was a division one school. So I got to play against all of the uh, top universities in the Northeast. So Brown, Harvard, Yale, Boston College, Boston University. Um, So it was really cool to kind of play a game at Harvard, you know, like got to play against some really top quality players. Some went on to have some pretty decorated professional careers, um, I played at Maine for two years and uh, in I decided to transfer after two years. I had uh, kind of some difficult situations down there. My teammate and one of my best friends on the team passed away my freshman year. And that same year, my family moved to Ireland. And, you know, leaving home for the first time, living out your dream, it was not as I guess expected. So I had some real challenges out of the gate, but you know, aside from that, I made some incredible friends down there, um, that are, you know, lasting till today. One of my best friends was my roommate who, who I keep close contact with and, you know, just a good group of guys. And, you know, I think in those first two years, Just with everything that happened, and you know, just solely focusing on soccer, Uh, it's hard to like, exper uh, to rate my academic experience down there. But I did decide to transfer to Simon Fraser University, which is on the west coast. Yes, Um, they're the only Canadian university in the NCAA, and and uh, you know, despite being in Division Two, they were actually a better squad than the Division One squad in Maine um we went on to win our i think in our in yeah in the first year my first year there we won the division um but yeah i I never graduated from university which is why i transferred to george brown um and then i started doing marketing at george brown and um had some, I had a, I I think it was at that time where I was a little bit more dialed into the academics, um, just because I, you know, I wasn't playing a sport there. I kind of identified myself as an athlete more than a student in, in those previous experiences. Um, So, you know, I, I no longer had that kind of time away from school and dedicated to training and all that. So I was a little more focused and I knew that I wanted to work in sport and i thought marketing was kind of fit best fit my skill set um and i had yeah i had a, i had a pretty good i actually didn't graduate from there either but i did learn a lot i mean the only reason why i didn't was because bad socks took off and um i decided to just dive in um i learned a lot at george brown i had some really good profs Um, that kind of steered me in the right direction. I know in my, so I think it was my, it was a two year diploma, I think. And in my first year, that was when we decided to launch Babsocks. And one of my profs who I had a good relationship with, I kind of told her about what I was trying to do. And and basically, um, you know, the timing was all perfect. Obviously Babcock being hard, but also in his so he started in October and that following September was when the World Cup of Hockey was and he was coaching Team Canada and we decided or thought that it would be a great fit with Molson Canadian and Coors Light.
1: Yes so, I'm uh, wearing those socks right now.
0: <laughs> no yeah. way that's awesome and uh, yeah I don't I don't think that some of the opportunities that we took advantage of would have been made available without some of the academic background, you know, just taught you a certain way of thinking and, and, you know, made some connections and it was through my prof that I did make that connection with Molson. And that was crazy.
1: Do you feel like you had success? Like you were set up for success as an entrepreneur or it was just kind of thrown at you and just luck of of how everything worked out. Um,
0: You know, I think that school just kind of gives you the foundations and, you know, a set of tools. Um, But until you put them to practice, you know, you you won't, I don't think it sets you up for entrepreneurship. I mean, like the marketing program didn't, but it gave me the tools to be an entrepreneur. It just didn't teach me how to be an entrepreneur. Um, And yeah, I think you just you, you learn on the job and you learn by doing and that's what happened with us
1: do you think that like your teacher your prof at George Brown had like a big impact and like was a big mentor to you and your your the way that you grew bab
0: yeah for sure she just came to class every day excited and kind of inspired me i was oh, about 25 so i was kind of i was a much older student than um you know, some of my fellow students that were coming out of high school. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's maybe difficult for teachers to to kind of inspire everyone at every age um, because they probably have to focus on the younger audience who is makes up most of the student population. But no, she was great. She taught me a ton. Um, and yeah, I'm grateful for sure.
1: So let's talk about pricing of Bab Socks. Mm-hmm. I believe we met the spring before the World Cup, so that would be within the first year that you guys launched. Yep. And I believe your pricing was approximately twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. And now online, your pricing is twenty one ninety nine. Um, is there different pricing in retail stores uh, than online?
0: Yeah. So typically, the way that the retail world works, or at least in my business, um. So- hypothetically, we sell our socks for 20 bucks online, we would sell to the retailer for uh, the wholesale price is usually half the price. So you know, if we if we were working with sport check, and they had their product listed, you know, we can we can recommend what the product should be sold at. Um, they don't have to abide by that. Of course. Um, but our wholesale is uh, 50% of our retail. Okay.
1: And if I was a retail store, where would you want your product located within the store? Is it a product that people come in knowing that they're going to purchase or is it kind of more at checkout like a last minute thing to pick up?
0: Um so when we started bab socks, we kind of came out of the gates as an online business. We I mean, we didn't know anything about retail. So, you know, we probably missed out on a lot of opportunities just going in um blind, but um Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. No okay. worries. Uh, what was the original
1: question? Oh. If, if I was a retailer, where would you want your product located in the store?
0: When, when we started out, um, we were an online business. And um, we decided to, you know, as we started to navigate the licensing world and have a better understanding of the retail world, we kind of shifted our focus to retail. Um, Jake and I are the only operators of the business, so we're a pretty small squad. Um, But we do have a sales team that manages um, sales in Canada and and a separate team in the States. Um, But, you know, in the last two years, we've started to get a bit of a market share in the retail world. Um, So, you know, I'm not sure if people know where our product is when they walk in the door. Um, So sometimes it's... um, set up in kind of like the socks and underwear section, it might be at the checkout. Um, one thing that we've come to realize about our business is that um, our product is a lot more gifted than it is bought for oneself. Uh, we do have big fans of the brand that love the collection and, and you know, we, we try and um, replicate the the collectability of hockey cards. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Funko Pop.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So people go nuts for these things. I think it's a really cool product too. Um, but just kind of like these Funko Pops. So so we, you know, we see other brands that are out there. I mean, these are little toys, but you can find things that you like about different brands and model yourself, model yourself after them. Um, but yeah.
1: I believe last year you guys were expected to hit, uh, surpass $1 million in revenue and sales. Did that happen?
0: Yeah, well, the, the deal with Molson would have triggered that in our first year, um, which was crazy. I mean, your profit margins on kind of promotional items is, is much smaller. Um, but yeah, we, ha- we have surpassed it online, which is awesome.
1: That's very good. Congratulations. Thank you. And with the growth of your company, you guys saw like growth at such a fast rate. Do you guys feel like kind of your goals with the with the product had shifted? You guys offshored your product uh, from the beginning. Yeah. And you kind of feel maybe the quality of your product has gone down or what changes have you seen over the years with the growth?
0: Uh, well, it's been it's been a roller coaster, if I'm honest, like we've made some pretty devastating mistakes, uh, which you wouldn't. You know, like in our first year, we came out of the gates so hot that, you know, it, it almost felt like everything we touched turned to gold until we made some big errors. Um, but that's just the nature of running your own business. You're going to make mistakes. And I think, uh, you know, there's, like I said, it's been a lot of ups and downs, but it's, it's taken a lot to get where we are right now and, and, and feel comfortable and confident. You know, I think it all just comes with experience.
1: Which setback would you say was like the worst that hit you guys the hardest?
0: Uh, Well, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise, but COVID has really shifted our focus uh, from a retail business to online, um, which is something that maybe we should have been doing from the beginning. Um, Another big error that we made was just investing a ton of money in inventory. So we're still sitting on a lot and it costs. A lot of money to produce it and it costs money to store it um, so that would have been a huge error of ours um, just staying a little bit more lean and but but ultimately I think the the most devastating blow is COVID naturally but you know there's definitely some silver linings and I think that we're going to be stronger when it's all said and done
1: so you said the team is just you and Jake. You guys have a relatively small squad. Um, how many other people in regards to the sales team do you guys have? Maybe a marketing team, designers?
0: Yeah, we so we contract a lot of that stuff out. Okay. We um, Jake's brother is a senior copywriter at a big agency in Toronto and we were, we worked with them last year. It's I think they're called Jun well they're called Juniper Park. Um and what they helped us with was building out a, a big brand book. So a brand book would include, um, you know, colors, fonts, how to position the product, um, just kind of like a guidebook to your brand. So that, you know, if for example, we wanted to hire someone in social media, that person would have a lot of references to the brand book. So that's like, that, that was a huge chunk of the business that, um, you know, was was a was a big cost, but I think, you know, it'll pay out in the end um, just because it's so extensive. And I think our, our branding is pretty sharp and uh, we certainly have them to thank for that. And then um, right now we worked with a smaller agency. Um, my uh, friend of mine named Mark, he's at marm.com and, and they're doing our Christmas campaigns. It's pretty fun stuff. Um, maybe i can share that with you later but uh yeah so like advertising marketing um web design i think our website looks pretty sharp these days um what other sales there's probably maybe five sales uh, like we just so grosner distribution is our sales team so grosner would represent a number of different brands so like grosner would sell funko as well Um, So I don't know how many people are actually salespeople for us in that company, Um, probably about five, I'd say, and similarly down in the in the United States as well.
1: I don't think that you're in an office right now. You have some very nice pots and pans behind you. Um, Are you in a kitchen due to covid or do you and Jake just work out of your homes?
0: So we we did have an office in the East End, um, like Carlong Queen area. We're both East End guys. Um, But, you know, we've since closed up that shop. We used to have a storefront on Mount Pleasant as well, which we've shut down. Um, And yeah, I kind of miss the office. I'm not going to lie. I think what people are going to realize is that having the option is a bonus. You know, I think a lot of people have had to prove that they can be productive at home, but I'm sure companies would like to give their employees the option, because um, I imagine it's a lot tougher for people with families too.
1: And your warehouse space—where is that located? Is it in Toronto or offshore?
0: Yeah, we have uh, we have a warehouse in the U.S. Um, in Ohio, and we have one in Toronto in the East End as well.
1: And of all the socks that you've ever produced, which one would you say is your favorite?
0: Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, I'm wearing my Jerome McGinlis right now, which are pretty sweet.
1: <laughs> that's nice. Uh, best pair.
0: Um, I don't know if have you ever listened to Spit and Chicklets? No. It's like a bar stool um, podcast. Okay. It's a hockey podcast, and uh, one of their personalities, his name is Biz Nasty. He was kind of a uh, a tough guy in the NHL. who's a fighter and he's super funny guy. It's a really funny podcast as well. And, and we've got a pretty cool biz sock as well.
1: For sure. So we're going to take a break and we're going to do a game called this or that. So we're going to look at the roster for 2020, 2021 of the Leafs lineup. Here we go. And we'll start off <laughs> with Frederick Anderson. So basically you can either choose to keep the player or trade the player. So you have to only choose one of each pair.
0: Oh, this is so hard. We've, we've like built our business around, you know, player positivity. <laughs> so I'd hate to trade Freddie, but I might.
1: So we've got Frederick Anderson or Joey Anderson.
0: Um, I, so I'll, I'll keep Anderson.
1: Which Anderson?
0: Oh, <laughs> Freddie. Sorry.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, Anderson or Hutchison, Hutchinson. Anderson. Anderson. Anderson or Zach Hyman. Oh, I'm a big Hyman guy. Okay, we're we're trading the Anderson. <laughs> okay, we've got Zach Hyman or Alexander Kerfoot. Hyman for sure. Hyman. Hyman or Marner.
0: Oh, Mitch is like uber talented. So, I, I just I just. Kind of love what Hyman represents on the squad. I think he uh, shows up to work every day, works hard, good attitude, never gives up. Um, and you need that in your locker room. Uh, yeah. Mitch Marner's a superstar,
1: though. <laughs> so, so who are we keeping? So
0: oh, I'll keep Mitch.
1: Okay. Marner or Matthews? Matthews. Matthews. I
0: think Matthews is a superstar. Absolute superstar.
1: Matthews or Muzzin?
0: I do like Muzzin, but I'll take Matthews.
1: You like the whole team.
0: Yeah, I do like the whole I yes, I do. I don't even dislike Freddie. I just think that, you know, we just gotta get the job done in the playoffs.
1: So we're with Matthews now.
0: Yes. Okay. I believe in him. I believe in the squad. I really like the the moves that Dubis made in the offseason. I think a lot of people thought that he um picked his team a certain type of way. And it's you know sometimes you just learn by failing <laughs> you know and and i think it's uh, failing is harsh because they're a super young team but uh you know there, there is some value and experience and i think that they've just kind of got they've got more to them now and hopefully you know you bring in a veteran like joe thornton and he adds a little extra accountability in the room um which I think is hugely important, and I can't believe he's on the team. Super excited.
1: Joe Thornton or Matthews? Matthews. Matthews. Matthews or Tavares? Matthews. Matthews or Spezza? Matthews. Matthews or Simmons? Matthews. Matthews or Sandine? Matthews. Matthews or Babcock?
0: Oh, man. I... I have to say, uh, I owe a ton of gratitude to Mike Babcock for letting us run with it um, and helping us kind of make an impact in the hockey world. So I'm Babs, Babs Babs forever.
1: Of course. So based on that, of course, networking is very important in the business industry. It is like one of the most fundamental things to grow any company. How did you guys build that first relationship to get the rights to put Babcock's face on the socks?
0: Um, Well, we didn't ask for permission.
1: You asked for forgiveness?
0: (laughs) Yeah, begged. (laughs) No, no, we didn't need to ask for forgiveness. I think, uh, you know, it's it's funny. I I haven't thought about this in a while, but I remember um, maybe a month into it and I had a, a call come in from MLSE and Jake and I, we were just like packing socks in in my apartment. And uh, I turned to Jake and I was like, "Man, it's been a it's been a good go, <laughs> you know." I thought they were coming in to to shut it down a hundred percent. And the woman's like, um, "Well, I have a, an order here. Could you get twenty pairs of Bab socks down to the ACC uh, today?" I was like yeah of course she's like and I'm like who's it for he's like oh it's for Mike Babcock and and, oh it was just crazy and he was adamant about paying yeah yeah and And I think we got a couple jerseys out of it as well but maybe I wasn't supposed to say that
1: (laughs) and would you say that like your relationship with Babcock from the start helped you guys get the contract with the NHLPA
0: yeah just think um you know I think I think we had a good brand. We were doing lots of things in the hockey community and the mental health space. So we just like, we, we definitely made a big impact. And I think when people recognize good work, um, you you win their trust. And that was basically what got us to deal with the alumni we had uh, a friend of mine whose father has been in the licensing world and, and he's like, you got to get into the office with the alumni. And uh, it was like a two minute pitch because like they just loved what we were doing with Socks, that it was just a no brainer. It was just a matter of negotiating the contract. But I think we had the, we had the deal before we walked in the room. It was just a matter of shaking hands.
1: That's really good. And you speak about mental health and really like putting good vibes out there. So every you guys have the purple Cam H socks.
0: Uh yes.
1: So do you want to talk about how you guys kind of give back to the community? You guys also have something during COVID. A pair of socks. Yeah, yeah. Hat.
0: So um when when we were Bab Socks, we had a couple different um, partners. So we did this big program with Movember, and in in minor hockey. So uh, the GTHL is the Greater Toronto Hockey League. And all the teams in the GTHL were competing to sell the most Bab socks to raise money for November, and to compete to win a practice with Babcock and the Leafs coaching staff. And you know we did it. I think we did it three or four years now. And, and Babcock, even after leaving his position in Toronto, drove all the way up from Michigan to run a practice for us. So that's the kind of guy that he was for us. And Um, all of the money that was raised through the Movember fundraising um, went towards building a youth mental health program for minor hockey. So we've kind of helped kickstart that. Um, And then CAMH is, you know, it's just a, it's a, an important institution in Toronto that represents the health community, mental health community. And, um, you know, we had, we had an onus to Mike Babcock to represent him and make sure that the brand was in line with some of his beliefs. And we just, I mean, that was a choice that we made, but um, you know, the mental health community is something that he's always supported. So I think it was, you know, we had our own personal reasons as well, but I think, uh, you know, when you're representing someone else, we had we had a a different level of responsibility as well so yeah it it was really cool
1: for sure you guys do a lot of giving back i've seen it online one question that i've always had was when we met the first time we made a deal and you guys provided me with the socks for a very discounted price was that a little bit of paying it forward or a loss leader
0: oh i just i just loved your hustle you know, like, I'm not surprised that you've started this up. And Jake and I were just super impressed with you. So we just wanted to do what we could to help you. And um, yeah, so no, nothing lost there. That's for sure.
1: So one thing I've noticed over the years, I think you, my school has a program, my high school had a program, it was called Venture Week, where students Mm -hmm. sell products. And one of the products last year was Major League Socks. And I see the socks, and I'm like, I'm not buying these socks. Like they're just copying what Bab Socks does, and I'm oh, like, I no can't way. support you guys. <laughs> so, how would you say about like rebranding? Like, how did that go about for the brand? You said, of course, when you got into the licensing world, but did you see like problems when that happened? Because you also speak a lot of times about Bab Socks still, because it was still a big part of you guys starting mm-hmm. off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a huge part of of who we are and and what we've been able to accomplish. Um, we just made a conscious decision. Um, it, it took a long time. We actually, so we were BabSocks, and then we re when we got the deal with the NHL alumni, um, we changed our brand name to my franchise. So not franchise franchise and, you know, the ideas that you would build your own franchise with the socks um i still really like the name but it wasn't working people were going to the wrong website people thought that you know they would just call it my franchise and um yeah we paid a lot of money for that website and then we changed it and got uh major and then we decided on major league socks you know we we had a little further look down the road and um you know the mlb was in the distance you know who's to say that we can't obtain licensing with the nfl the nba
1: mls um, major league soccer
0: yeah exactly so you know the, i think the name kind of speaks to what we are you know yeah. my franchise could just be it, it was a disaster but <laughs> you learn
1: for sure. That's that's the most important thing. Your failures are the only way to grow. You learn from your failures and mistakes. If you could give three tips to 25-year-old Jake and Thomas, what would it be?
0: Um, probably have Um, experienced counsel. So maybe find someone who's been in the industry who will steer you away from going nuts on buying a shit ton of inventory <laughs> or you know we spend a fortune we have spent a fortune on certain things that we thought were a big hit um, but ultimately we're not at all and you know we we would get sidetracked a lot and and I think over the last five years we've kind of been a little bit more focused on who we are and what we're doing
1: that's good the last question for you when will the Leafs win a Stanley Cup
0: um in the next three years
1: in the next three years you're putting your money on the next three years
0: yeah I'll I'll make a bet with you
1: you'll make a bet okay 20 bucks okay for sure 20 bucks
0: there we go (laughs)
1: <laughs> perfect I'll be coming back to you in three years when they don't win
0: <laughs> with the money
1: with the money
0: collecting the money
1: of course of course yeah. I got to make sure that I collect all my all my bets I'm a bookie I got to make sure yeah, I'm keeping up on that
0: stick that one in the calendar
1: of course I 2023
0: will.
1: thank you so much Thomas for coming today and being on the podcast my pleasure so much to all of our listeners for listening to our very first podcast there's another podcast out at the same time as this podcast with Marnie Florence and be sure to check it out. Thanks again and catch you on our next episode.